Church. Thanks for listening in. We exist as a church to connect people to the heart of God and to a family within the church. And we believe that Jesus is the way. We hope this message blesses you and gives you hope today. Uh, I'm glad that Marius has a uh, positive experience whenever he uh, sings the words, uh, I want to be purified by fire. Me, me, literally, I was like, oh, I don't really know if I want that, God, uh, if I could just be honest. Like, as a, what else you got? You know what I mean? But, uh, but no, it's, a, it's amazing, man, uh, just that the Lord loves us so much and that he continually changes us into the likeness of Jesus. And uh, it's so crazy. Um, we've literally been in this series here the last this summer series. We'll be closing it down today. Um, but the summer series, we, Marius and Bronson started off talking about wisdom. Uh, and then Colonel TC and Dwayne, uh, they kind of shared a testimonial. And so I told Jess the other day, I said, hey, I said, I just want to tie it all together. I said, and I, I'm going to do a testimonial filled with wisdom. Uh, you, you, got, you, got, you got some good, good stuff, and then you got some good, bad stuff that you can learn from. And so um, just bringing them all in together. And so today, I just hope that you get a word um, and there's something that you can bring home. Um, but here, here's the deal. Uh, my, my name is Blake, and I'm one of the pastors here. Ashley, my wife, uh, she, she's, uh, we, she and I, we direct the M18 Recovery. Uh, we have amazing stories that we get to hear on a regular basis, and I just really want to share some of them. First off, uh, we're doing a graduation today. Uh, they'll be during the second service, but can we throw up the pics? Yeah, come on. Let's get, give it up for Jared. Give it up for Egg. Man, we, we've got two guys. That, these two are some of the most solid individuals. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to stop you from clapping, man. Keep on. But uh, it's so cool whenever you run into to people that just want to do better, just where they, they strive after it, and they just want to continually do what's right. It's, it's, you're going to continue to see them around here, though, because of these two gentlemen, uh, we've actually created an intern position at M18, and so these guys are going to continue to help lead, continue to help shepherd uh, the men. It's absolutely awesome what God's doing, and we get to see it every day. Uh, so some stories of some graduates, because the guys go through the program, but then they graduate, and then a lot of them uh, stay uber-connected. And so, man, I want to tell you what's going on around the state. we got Carlos. Uh, Carlos, he was an M18 graduate, and uh, he's still doing amazing. He's an usher now at NLC Espanol. Uh, yeah, right? Um, so um, Carlos, he was the first resident that we had that had parents that didn't speak English that, that were here. And so they would come and they would sit right over there and uh, really not understand anything that was going on. Uh, but they, but we, we sent them to NLC Espanol and Conway and Daniel Ramos pastored them. Uh, well, it's so cool, man, because Carlos got to watch both of his parents get baptized because he started following Christ. And so I'm telling you, there, there can be a trickle up effect uh, in Christ. Whenever you come to know the Lord and people see the transformation that occurs in your life, if you will just stay solid and rooted and continuing to do the next right thing, uh, allow the Lord to work because I promise your family will see. All right, so the next one we got, Blake Bisbee. All right, so look, you, you might not think that, that leading the Bible study from county jail uh, would be the most optimal outcome of a story, uh, but check this out. So what happened was Bisbee had some charges pending prior to uh, coming into M18, and uh, they decided that recovery ministry wasn't enough. And so he ended up in county jail uh, after he had already, he'd lived a righteous life. Uh, he'd continued to go to church at Greenbrier, was doing the next right thing, uh, but he ended up having to do a little bit of time. But here's the thing. It didn't stop him. Uh, he's still serving Christ in jail. And so what he'd done was he called our residents and wanted to encourage them 
for where he's at in jail. And, uh, and another cool thing is uh, being a part of a local church. Uh, we at downtown Little Rock uh, as a campus and M18 Recovery as a ministry have been taking care of his family. He actually has three or four or five kids. I don't know. When, after you get past two, like I'm just done. You got a bunch of kids. And so uh, we, we, we've, been, we've been helping out with their lawn maintenance and just helping them in life. And so uh, you guys get to be a part of that and sharing that as well. And the uh, next person you guys have never met uh, in that big industrial size sink right there uh, is, is, is Bentley, okay? So we at M18, we have way more applicants than we have beds available. Um, but we don't just tell them, get lost. Uh, we actually facilitate their admission into other programs around the state of Arkansas because we believe that if someone is reaching out to you saying, I'm going to die if I don't get help, and I think Jesus can help me, uh, we feel it's our obligation, man, to get them plugged in wherever they can go. And so we have a great relationship with a ministry called Arm 180 in DeWitt, Arkansas. And uh, Shane, he's been there for probably about three months now, and he's got baptized, and he's dedicated his life to Christ, and he's rocking it out. And you guys get to share in that as well, man, because it's a part of the church and what your church is doing around the state. So uh, let's give it up for Christ and what he's doing in everyone's lives. A little premature, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll roll with that. Uh, so basically, uh, th this week, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share some, uh, some important information that I've learned from criminal to clergy, right? Uh, like, e even in rehearsal today, Jess was like, you can't say that. Like, you can't do that. And I was like, what? Oh, so on a scale from Billy Graham to, like, zero, like, Jaboy's a little rough as a pastor, all right? Like, I'm just going to throw that out there. But I like to feel like I make it attainable, you know what I mean? Like, just whenever people call me pastor still, I'm just like, Bro, that's weird, you know what I mean? Uh, like, like, yeah, I know the word. Yeah, I've been following Christ for like nine and a half years, but dad, yum. Like, it, it's still crazy to me. Uh, and a lot of that is, is because of my past, man. Pastor Rick, uh, some of you guys know that he met me in rehab. Uh, he, he met me at John 316 Ministries. Uh, I'd lived a life of uh, criminal intent, and uh, that's where he met me. Uh, but Pastor Rick, you, I will give him credit. I had had a haircut uh, by the time that he had met me. I, 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 didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I, I could have boarded an airline by that point in my life, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I literally look like the love child of like Saddam Hussein and someone else. I don't know, but uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, not a very good look for me. So Pastor Rick met me and, uh, and he decided that he wanted to help me to become a pastor, man. And I'm going to give you guys some of the little, uh, some of the stories that I've learned throughout this. Uh, I typically don't share this much of my story, uh, but in Revelation 12, 11, it says, and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony, right? It's like sometimes the enemy wants to silence me and just say, hey, look, you've been doing this 10 years. Like, what's it matter? Uh, you know, you've already told all these stories. Like, nobody really wants to hear them anymore. Uh, but at the same time, it's kind of cool because then the Lord reminds me that every single time that we talk about this from the stage and we talk about addiction, there's people like Shane that are getting baptized. You know what I mean? And so it's like, never shut up. And see, here's the, here's the cool thing. This isn't specific to me. This is you, right? Like you need to tell your story because I'm going to tell you right now, you don't have had to have had a meth lab in your basement or pawned your wife's wedding ring for heroin in order to have a testimony, right? Like we have a teacher at M18, his name's Pastor David. I think that's what it says on his birth certificate. I think his mother named him pastor. But anyway, Pastor David, uh, greatest guy ever. He, his, his testimony is he gave his life to the Lord at a young age and never looked back. Bro, I'm a dad, right? Like, I need to hear that because the only thing I deal in is chaos, right? Like, every move I make as a parent is trying not to end up on a couch in a group counseling session. 
Like, that's what I know. I need to know that it's possible to come to the Lord at a young age and never depart from it. So each and every one of you guys have a testimony and you have a story that's very real and someone needs to hear it, right? So uh, I, I always think about it, this uh, verse in Acts. It's Acts 4.20. Uh, it's my new favorite, 4.20. Uh, shame on you if you laugh at that. But uh, it says we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard, right? Like, like it's whenever the Lord comes into your life in a very real way, you can't stop talking about it. You're just so amazed, you're mesmerized. Like to this day, I am blown away at the things that I get to see and, and, and that I get to hear that the Lord is doing. And so we can't stop talking about it. But whenever we uh, think about our testimony, um, it, it, it's something that we all have to share, we all have to tell. Whenever you're in court, you want an eyewitness, right? Like you want an eyewitness, like you want someone who has personally witnessed firsthand what has happened. That's what we are. We're an eyewitness. You can argue with a lot of stuff, theologically and otherwise, but you know what you can argue with? Your story. You can't argue with it. You're like, look, you, you can have what you want. Like you can believe everything that you want to believe, but I'm going to tell you right now, like this is my story. And you can't argue with that. And so we have to tell people. It's, kind of, it's crazy. There's this chemical that we have in our body. It's, uh, it's oxytocin. Uh, and, and it actually, it's crazy because it forms this, this bond whenever a story is being told. It makes you feel relatable and it makes you feel connected to somebody. And so all, all God did was he set that up. It's people lean in when they hear a story. Whenever they think that, that they're getting to know you better, it's a more intimate moment, they'll lean in. And you know what that does? It opens up the door to interject the gospel. Like 100% of the time, people will listen to you. One of the coolest times that I ever get to share the gospel is whenever I'm giving blood every single time. And it's because I don't hide it. I was an IV drug user for years, and so I will get to tell the phlebotomist, the person who's you know, going after my vein, I'm like, hey, you're gonna have to push hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've done quite a bit of damage there. I was like, then I'll always say, but Jesus saved my life, right? And so we have to find these moments in which that we can interject the gospel, whether it be to the lady that's checking you out at Kroger or the person that's door dashing or whatever. Like, we have to get our testimonies down and to where that they're bite-sized so that we have a third 30 second version, a three minute version, like so that we can tell people about the love of God in our life because that's how that you're gonna defeat the enemy right there. The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony, the blood cleanses us, but it's the word of our testimony that makes it real to others. All right, so uh, my story, I, I started off as a kid, naturally, we all do, um, unless you're Benjamin Button. Uh, but but uh, I thought I was a pretty reasonable kid, right? Like I don't ask any of my teachers, but I, I think I was pretty good. And uh, I remember one time I came home from VBS, and uh, during that time, I wanted to do Bible studies. Like, I, I was on fire. Like, I was ready to roll. And um, my parents, they, they did one with me. I can still remember the verse. Still got it highlighted, high lit. I don't know. I like high lit. I don't think it's a word, but it's one of the ones I like to use. So it's high lit uh, in my Bible. And, um, and I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, this is what I want to do, man. Like, I, like I want to be a pastor. There we go. Michael's proud of me now that I got the microphone up to my mouth. All right. So, <laughs> and the production booth says, amen. All right. So, I remember as, as a child, like, I was just on fire for God. And so, we, we did this Bible study, and I can still remember to this day. But my parents were high. Like, they were on drugs. I didn't know it at the time. But so, they do that one Bible study with me. And then they just kind of dropped it off, you know, and they never did it again. And so they actually abandoned me at 13. And so I remember coming home 
and or from school, and my grandma picks me up. She says, hey, honey, she's like, uh, you're going to come live with me for a while. Uh, I was a selfish little kid, so I was all about it. You know what I mean? I'm like, yes, more ammunition to get what I want. Like, I, I was like, all right, I'll pin this against everybody. So uh, I went, I lived with my grandma. Well, it turns out they actually went to a Christ-centered recovery place, much like M18. But I was 13, you know? Uh, they left me. They didn't tell me where they were going, didn't tell me when they got there. Uh, I spent six months not knowing where my parents were. And, and so by that point in time, I had lost all respect uh, for a, adults in general. And that's a dangerous place for a kid to be. Uh, whenever, whenever they don't respect their parents, it, it's just a dangerous place. And if you're in here and you think, well, all right, that's where my kids are, uh, you know, they, they don't respect me because of the life I've lived. Here's what I'm gonna tell you. The only thing you can do is follow Christ with all your heart. Like, that's it. Like, you have to give it to him. Like, they, they might go through some hiccups, but, but what you have to do is you have to remain faithful in Christ and continue to do what you know is right, and you can't let them use that against you. Like, you draw a big star on your calendar, and you say, hey, before this date, there's nothing I can do about it, but from this date forward, things are going to be different, right? Uh, and then you stand on that, for real, because even though that my parents might have dropped the ball, here I am today, right? Like, it's the prayers that, that will get them where that they need to go. And so I, um, I ended up... I, I, at about 17 years old, I was already on drugs by about 15. At 17, I was trying to, trying to quit. And uh, I, I remember I went to Sunday school because that's kind of where I knew that, that I needed to be. I needed to be in church. I needed to be around godly people. And they told me in Sunday school that my parents were going to go to hell because it wasn't their first marriage. And that if, unless they divorced, they were going to hell. And so I got up and walked out. And I said, I refuse to believe in a God that's going to send my parents to hell, you know? Like, like that, that's just not, because they were following Christ with all their heart. They just went to a different church. Uh, and the church that we went to believed that we were the only church that was going to heaven. Uh, and so it really caused a lot of confusion in my mind because I couldn't reconcile that. And, and so I stopped believing in God forever and just walked away and abandoned the faith. And, um, Ended up going to college. I remained atheist through college. Uh, partied all the way through, should I say, all the way out of college. Uh, I stayed in college the majority of my life. But uh, I'm just telling you guys right now that whenever it comes to our children, like we have to be delicate with them, right? Like we have to pour in the truth to them. Because as someone who went into college not believing in faith whatsoever, I found what I was looking for. Right. Like, like I found the worldly ideologies, like I found the things that they're trying to teach you in college philosophy. Like I found the, the worldly discipleship, like I found drugs to fill the void. Like I found all of that. And so if we don't teach our kids what they believe and why they believe it, somebody will. Right. Like it's our job and it's our responsibility. And so anyway, whenever I look at the things that I've learned through life and I look at the, the, the life lessons that I really have, I think the first one is discipling our kids. It must be a priority. Like if we don't teach them how to live a life controlled by the spirit, they're always gonna gratify the desires of the flesh. Whose responsibility is it, right? It takes a village. We have to teach our kids how to do this. It's happening all around us. The world has gone crazy. Have you guys noticed? 
Like it's our responsibility to tell our kids what the Bible says about life. Like we can't be afraid to step into some of these complex social situations that people are reading about and hearing about on news and show them what it is that we believe and tell them why it is that we believe it. Because if, if we let our kids be discipled by TikTok, right? Like if they're spending eight to 14 to 22 hours a day on TikTok and Instagram, but yet never ever being in the presence of godly people learning about the word of God, are we truly setting up the next generation for success, right? Like this isn't meant to be condemning in any way. It's just a matter of fact type thing. Like whenever we come to church, this is a matter of encouragement. Like we have the ability to mold and to shape the next generation of Christian believers, but we have to have an eternal mindset, right? Like, like, like we have to launch them like the arrows that, that scripture says that they are. We have to be prepared to put in the work and we have to focus on them. That it's, it's huge. You see in Deuteronomy 11, verses 18 through 19, it says, fix these words of mine in your heart and in your minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word, like the law, the, the, the word of God. Like, like we have to have it on the forefront of our mind at all times. And then it says, teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. All the time, all the time. How many people know vision leaks? Like, like when you have a vision, when you have rules, like over time it deteriorates, it leaks. We have to have constant refreshing of our kids. And, and this is us, like we have to be prepared to do this. That is exactly who they're talking to. And I'm not talking about us as just the families. I'm talking about it takes a village. Like this, this is wisdom for the house. Like this is the church as a whole. Like we have to pour into our youth. Uh, practical application in this, think about it. Eat together as a family. Discuss God. Like talk about it. When, when you're eating, when you wake up, when you're on the road, when you're on a road trip, let them see you in prayer and worship. Dads, sometimes I fail at this. I, I'm not always, sometimes I come in here, I turn on the music and I worship, but do I let my kids see it, right? Like it can be uncomfortable sometimes letting kids and letting people into your personal space with Christ and being vulnerable, but we have to. Like we have to let our wives see us in prayer. Like we have to let our families know what it is that we're praying about. Like we have to lay hands on our kids and let them know that you love them and that you care and that you're praying for them. And then when they have problems, we have to let them know if from encouraging standpoints what the word says about the stuff that they're going through and why they're not gonna fit in. It's because they're not a part of the world. We're sending kids in to, to these environments and they're not insulated at all. Like, like they have no ability to withstand the attacks of the enemy because they don't have the knowledge. They, they don't have the knowledge yet, but we have to be prepared to walk them through this. Uh, make it fun. I, I think about the church that I went to as a kid. Was it fun? Oh, you can imagine. No, absolutely not. It was the worst. Like I, I, wanted, to be a, I wanted to be a pastor when I was a kid and they tried to turn it into the most unappealing thing that you could ever imagine. And like say, well, you're gonna have to work 80 hours a week in a factory just so you can afford to be a pastor. I'm like, well, I don't wanna do that. Like, that's what I love about this church. We encourage our kids. We see callings on kids at their young age and we nourish that and we wanna see them grow and we wanna see them do what it is that God has called them to do. Uh, so second, or I'm sorry, um, get your kids to bring their friends to church, right? 
Like, like bring, bring them. Like, so, I mean, I know a lot of times we don't want to send our kids out into other people's houses because we don't really know how that the other families are, you know, raising their kids. Uh, I know that's us. We don't. But you know what? You can come to church. Like, like we'll, we'll bring you to church and we'll be a part of that. So talk about how your faith and how it applies to those topics. And, and the th last thing that I wrote on here is, man, serve a weekend in kids ministry, right? Like, just get signed up, man. Like, so here's the thing. I think that a lot of people have a misconception of what it means to serve in the, in the children's area. Uh, you don't have to be a biblical scholar. You don't have to be a perfect individual. You don't have to commit your entire life. Like, just one weekend, you know? And, and here's the deal. You have the opportunity right now to text in the middle of church without being judged for it. So if you wanted to take out your phone and text kids to 88,000, God would forgive you for texting in church. And so uh, all those other texts, I don't know, that's between you and Jesus. But right now you're getting a pass. And so kids to 88,000, we'd love to see it. It's not a shameless plug whatsoever, maybe a little, but what, what it really is is, okay, check this out. I just got a text message. And here's what the message says. John just gave his life to Jesus. He says, uh, I said, that, that's what I'm talking about, Bobbo. I said, you better not send them back the same. Uh, Bobby said to me, he said, no, brother, you know, he just got up and said, I'm ready to do this. Tears flowing down his face. Can't get enough of that. Praise God. I want you to receive that text message. Like, I want you to understand the power of Jesus Christ in someone's life. Like, I want someone that you have personally discipled to finally come to their breaking point, come to the end of their rope, come to the end of their self, and you get a text message like that. Because that's what keeps me going each and every day, knowing that eternity is absolutely real. And these things are going to be phenomenal. All right, so... Uh, you see in, the, uh, in John chapter two, whenever the master of the feast tasted the water and now it became wine. So Jesus had turned water into wine. And, and, and this is the verse that it says. It says, when the master tasted the water that now became wine, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. There's miracles going on around you, but you might not ever even see them if you're not serving. And this isn't a selfish push at all. I'm telling you, this is something that I want for you because of what it does to your faith. It, it just rocks you. Um, okay, so while in college, I, I had an encounter. It uh, completely solidified my belief without a shadow of a doubt in college. I would have died a martyr. Uh, and, and so from that point on, I, I did believe. I was, it was October 19th of 2004, and from that point on, I, I believed without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but I still didn't know how to submit. Took me until Sharp County Sheriff's Department kicked in my door in 2013 before I ever gave my life to Christ. And so what I want to tell you about this is there's a huge difference between believing in Christ and submitting to his will. For nine years, I would have died a martyr. I would have been beheaded for my faith. But I don't really even know if I have faith. Like, I believed in Christ with all my heart, but I wasn't actually putting his life and his practice and his principles into place in my life because I didn't know how. Like I wasn't being discipled, like I didn't know how. I remember after this encounter, after this moment, I went into church uh, and I was like, all right, here I am. Is this it? You know, like yeah, the choir stood up with the robes on and like, I was just like, all right, yeah, okay, I can jam. And I walked out and I said, I feel no different than before. I even went to a new life church and gave somebody my phone number. Big mistake. They text me all the time. Like, I, I swear, it was, in the, it was in the roller skating rink. I was like, these people have lost their minds thinking I want to just give up my life and start hanging out with them, right? Uh, I, I didn't know how to do it. Like, I didn't know how to submit. And we read in James 2.19, it says, you say you have faith for you believe that there's one God. Well, James is commending him. He says, well, good for you. 
even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror, right? Like, like hey, congratulations, we got a winner here. Uh, you know, even the demons do that, bro, congrats. And so that's where I was, like I believed with all my heart, but my actions and the things that, that, I, that I was doing and the things that I was participating in and the activities, they didn't line up with, with faith at all. And so I think that what we have to learn and understand as Christians is sometimes the chasm between belief and submission is the greatest distance that we ever have to overcome. Because right now I'm telling you, I dedicated my life three different times at three different New Life Church buildings spanning eight years, right? Well, how does this apply? This might be your third or fourth time today to rededicate your life. You know what? It's not too late. God, God's, not, God's not mad. It doesn't surprise him. When you're on this side of the ground, you still have grace that covers everything that you've ever done, everything that you'll do today, everything you'll do tomorrow, and everything into the future, right? God has a plan for your life. So I uh, literally, I had this brilliant plan. Um, I, I had failed out of college, and uh, I knew that I had to get my life on track. Uh, here, here was my plan. In, in my late 20s, I realized that I had threw away my education, and so getting a good job was not part of the picture. And so what I decided to do was I was going to move back to my farm in Sharp County, Arkansas, and I was going to learn how to manufacture drugs so that, oh, it's flawless. I, I can never figure out what went wrong. So I, I was, I was going to learn how to make drugs so, so that I could sell them so that I could pay off my student loans. Um, and then upon payment off of my student loans, I, I was going to go back to college. I was going to get a good degree, okay? So why? So that I could get a good job, right? Uh, and then upon getting the good job, I, I was going to get a wife. Um, because at that stage in the game of my life, I, I wouldn't have even respected the person that was willing to date me. And so, like, shopping for a wife was off the table. And so I wanted to get married so that we could start a family, so that we could have kids, or, you know, just so that we could get back in church, Right? Like, like, that was the plan. And as crazy as that sounds, all too many times, I think that we try to do that. We try to clean ourselves up before we come to Christ. Like, the second thing, piece of wisdom I want to take you to take away with is you do not have to clean yourself up before you come to Christ. It is impossible. Like, you think that you have to become good enough to come to Christ. It's the exact opposite. None of us are good enough. We're never going to be good enough. You have to make the decision to come to Christ right where you're at, and then you have to allow him to clean you up. Look, I know right now that some of you, right now, if we were to say, hey, you've won the prize. You, we're going to go clean your house right now. You would be mortified. Why? Because you would want to go do a first cleaning before the housekeeper ever got there so that they don't know how disgusting you actually are, all right? I'm not throwing rocks on the president of that club, amen? And so two kids under three, don't judge me. Uh, so, so nevertheless, that, that's what we try to do with God is we try to clean ourselves up surface level so that we feel like that we can come to his presence. But I'm telling you guys, God wants you right where you're at. He knows how disgusting you are. He knows the things that you think about regularly. He knows how foul, how bitter. He knows all of that stuff about you and he still loves you. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. While we were still sinners, he died for us. If we could get it right without Jesus, then the crucifixion was pointless. But we can't. 
God wants us just the way we are. And you read in Philippians 2.13, it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that over the course of time, throughout the sanctification process, you will be transformed into Christ. But you have to be willing to go on the journey. I, uh, I remember I ended up following through with my plan, uh, what, what could have went wrong. Uh, and, and so here I am in, uh, in the trailer in northeastern Arkansas, and uh, I hadn't bathed in weeks. And, uh, and I, I was just, well, here, here, you got three things you can do when it comes to relationships. You can hang out with the right people, hang out with the wrong people, or hang out by yourself and isolate. Um, at least when you hang out with the wrong people, you bathe, right? Uh, and, and so, because isolation is the worst for me. I'm telling you, whenever God looked down at Adam and said, this isn't good, uh, we're gonna have to make you a helper. Uh, I get what he was talking about. Left to my own devices, things always go astray. But anyway, so I was there and, uh, and I remember towards the end of it, I, I was broken. Like I couldn't even sell the drugs I, I was making because I knew what they did to people. Right, and I didn't want anybody else to go through the isolation and the misery of what I was going through. And uh, I had needles all throughout my house. Uh, it was just disgusting. And I, and I remember I had this poster board and I, and I drew this bicep on it and I hung it on my wall. And I mean, just picture this, that dude in that picture and, and I was gonna make a game out of it. And I was gonna throw these needles at, at this stinking bicep uh, as a game. And, and I remember I, I hit my bed, hit my knees, started crying because I couldn't figure out how you win. I didn't know. Like, what, do you have a heart attack? I mean, do you die? Like, do you, well, I mean, what, what, what do you do? And I realized that the life I was living, there wasn't a way to win. And, and so at that moment in time, I cried out and I, and I just, I, I asked God, I was like, Lord, I was like, I, I've met you, you know, like, like, what am I doing and how do I get out? Because I'm telling you, sometimes we get to a point in life in which that's the only thing we can do because we don't know how to change. Like, we don't know how to give it to God. Like, we don't know how to remove ourselves from the circumstances that we're in on this earth in order to even come to know Christ. Like, we're so embarrassed, we're so riddled with guilt and shame. Like, we don't know a better way of life. And so I cried out to God and I asked him to, to, to fix it because I didn't know what else to pray. And um, I realized in that moment in time that not just that point was meaningless, but my point number three is that this life is meaningless without an afterlife. Like, how do you win? We all die, right? We all end up in the dirt. From ashes we were formed, from clay we were formed, and that's what we'll return back to. How do you win? The old adage, he who wins with the most toys wins or dies with the most toys, like that, that's, not, that's not accurate. How do we win? And, and, and in that moment, like I started thinking about this time that, that I had one time and I was uh, at, a, at this warehouse party and um, I, it was the highest you could possibly be on the face of this earth, like I'm convinced of it. Uh, I remember that my lips were quivering, my eyes were going in different directions in my head. I, I'm high off ecstasy and youth um, because I, I was just dancing the night away. And, and I remember that my body had, like just in my body, it felt better than you will ever be able to feel or you could ever imagine. And even me being an atheist in that moment in my life, I heard something and it said, heaven's better than this. Heaven is real, like it's a real place in which there's no cancer, there's no, there's no infidelity, like there's no, 
There's no poverty, there's no inflation. Like you can't lose half your net wealth in Dogecoin in like a matter of hours. Like heaven is an incredibly real place that God has created for those who love him. Whenever you wrap your mind around this and you put your heart in heaven as opposed to the things on this earth, everything about your life will change. When we have heaven in the sights and that's what we're chasing after and we realize that no amount of sex, no amount of vacations, no amount of mindless binge watching of television, no amount of of success or pride or any of that stuff that we have in our life is ever going to fulfill the deep hole that we have in our heart that only knowing, seeking after eternity can touch, guys. Like when we get that, we can endure anything. Why? Because we know the goal is heaven and we know that the goal that we have in this life that we have been created for is to shine the glory of God, to share with people what he's done in our lives so that other people can come with us. There are people dying and going to hell, right? Whose responsibility is that? Jesus left us behind. It's our job, it's our mission, and we have to take it seriously, guys. It's not just the job of the pastoral staff, it's every single person in this room's mission to take people with them. Look, guys, I can't imagine what went wrong, but I I remember on my arrest, the day that I got my door kicked in, I told the police, I said, thank you. I didn't know what was next, but I knew it was better than what I had just left. I knew I was gonna die, but I didn't know how to stop it. And that day, whenever they put handcuffs on me, honestly, I gave my life to Christ and I felt freer than I'd been in a long time. The weight of the world had been lifted off my shoulders, even though that I was in physical bondage. I didn't know what was next, but I said to God, I said, Lord, I said, if you can use me, I'm all in, let's do this. And that was nine and a half years ago. God put me at a place called John 316 Ministries. And uh, I stayed there for two and a half years. And uh, I, I remember I was sitting in jail. I'd been in jail 39 days, who's counting, right? And, uh, and, and as I was there, I, I started praying. I was like, Lord, just where, where do you want me? What are we gonna do? Like I'd already been in my word. I'd been in the Bible. I'd been reading. I, I had really developed an intimate relationship with God. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me. and. Um, and I told my grandma, I said, hey, could we look at maybe going into John 316 Ministries? You know, could we figure that out? I said, because at some point in time, I'm about to have to start, you know, fighting and stuff like that. And I was like, I really don't want to. Well, at that time, uh, I go back to my, to my cell and go back to my rack and uh, they say, Polston, they said, you got another visitor? Well, here's the thing, like you don't get two visitors in jail. Like you just don't, I don't know, you, where my convicts at? Uh, like you, you get one, right? Uh, and so, and so I, I get up and I walk out and uh, Brian Tuggle, who's the executive director of John 316 Ministries, he's the founder, um, it's him. And uh, I, I remember sitting there and, uh, and I was talking to him and he said, Blake, he said, I just wanna let you know, he said that I went, to the prosecutor and, uh, and I told them that, that years ago you were my stepson and, uh, and I had the opportunity to do Bible studies with you, uh, but I didn't take advantage of it. He said, I told him I would like that chance back. And, and, and you see, so the man that abandoned me in 95 actually went to a place that gave him a spiritual foundation so that now he has planted the largest faith-based recovery center in the state of Arkansas. And so, 
what I want you guys to know is that in times that you feel abandoned, what if you're actually being prepped, right? Like, like what if God, he's not left you at all. He's walking beside you, right? Like God wants to bring you out of it so that you have the supernatural ability and power to speak directly to somebody else's soul. But in that, it's gonna take a season of pain and it's gonna take a season of enduring, but you're gonna have to lean closer into God every time and not let it shake your faith. And you have to believe that. Because the purpose that I have today is directly rooted in the pain that I have experienced throughout the years. Nobody wants to hear me talk because I've got it right. The only reason that I am qualified to speak to this is because I was an absolute horrible human being that submitted to the will of Christ and he has slowly but surely shaped and transformed me. And if he can do it to me, I promise you he can do it to you. Listen to this. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians verse one, sorry, chapter one, verse four, it says he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. You have to receive the comfort that Christ has to offer in the middle of the fire so that one day you can step out of that fire and be purified so that you can then look back and bring somebody else through it and give them encouragement. That is the circle that we are in in this Christian faith. The fourth thing that I just wanna share with you guys it takes a crucifixion to have a resurrection. Like if you wanna be different, if you wanna put on the things of God, you're gonna to have to die to self. There's no other way around it. You can't ask God for all the good stuff that he offers, but not be willing to pick up his principles and his values. There's no way, there's no job that you can say, hey, I don't really wanna put in the hours, but I want the 401k and go ahead and give me the insurance. And, and I, I want all that. I, I want the benefits package. I don't really wanna do anything else, right? God's not leaving you alone though. He's with you through the whole process. And where we fall short, he offers grace. But so today I wanna pray for you all. So if you could just honor this moment and just bow your heads while we pray. I just wanna know, is, is there anybody that you can already be saved, but is there anybody that today, they want it to be the first day of the rest of their life and, and they, they want prayer for power, prayer for boldness, prayer so that they can go out and do the mission. And, and I just, right now, just lift your hands up if that's you, that if you need prayer right now to be more devoted follower of Jesus Christ, I see you, I see you, I see you. Well, Heavenly Father, God, uh, I just, I pray for those people that have raised their hands and I pray for those people that feel it in their heart, God. I pray for the people that wanna be different. I pray for the people that want a fresh anointing from God, Lord. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that they just have the boldness that comes from you and you alone, God. I pray that you will just give us the power to speak your word, Lord, that you will just give us the power to take that step forward, God, and to just allow you to purify us, Lord. I, I just pray right now over all the kids that we have that are in this church, God, that they don't have to do the 
dumb stuff that so many people in this room have done, Lord. I pray that they will have a testimony like Brother David, Lord, and that they will just come to know you at a young age, God, and that we will be raising a generation of warriors for the kingdom, God, that can go out and do your will. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. I pray that this message that you just listened to helps you and assists you in your journey with Jesus. And if you want to get connected in our church, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock.